0: Hello, everybody. This is editing Vivian just popping in at the beginning to warn anyone who might be driving at the moment of listening to this podcast at about 11 minutes in and I think scattered throughout the rest of the podcast occasionally as well. You can hear some sirens on Holly's side of the recording. Sorry. Hello and welcome to I'm a fan of that podcast about all things fandom told through objects, stories and studies with a bit of silliness along the way. Your hosts on this journey are pop culture writer, journalist, and cosplay expert, Holly Swinyard, and myself, Viviana Simos, a public anthropologist and pop culture academic with a PhD in religion and popular culture. Join us as we wander down the incredible and intriguing path into fan culture, its history, the people who make it up, and the way that we look at this ever-growing part of our society. Fair warning, we may talk about some adult themes, use some adult language, and possibly get a little bit nerdy about the whole thing. You have been warned.
1: Hi, welcome to I'm a fan of that, and I'm going to start laughing again in a minute because Vivian is staring at
0: me. <laughs> welcome to not. I'm a fan of that.
1: <laughs> the podcast all about... Fandom through the objects that we love, where we take a look at the wonderful, wacky world of fan culture and everything that goes alongside it. My name is Holly Swinyard. I'm a pop culture writer, author, and now it turns out games writer. When did that happen? Uh, I
0: know, new job. Ooh. And my co host is. <laughs> I'm Vivian Asimos. I'm a freelance academic and pop anthropologist. That's exciting. Uh,
1: we're talking about something odd, interesting. Objectless today. I didn't really know how to object this, um, other than bring up a DVD collection from, uh, where it's stored, (laughs) because I still have DVDs. And that is anime reboots and general storytelling. So we're kind of focusing on anime because we're nerds, but I kind of want to talk about reboots in general because there has been a slew, so many, so many reboots in the last few years for some reason. Disney, why? Um... (laughs) But I think this particularly happened because I watched the Trigun reboot and I'm a big fan of Trigun. I, one of my first, like, if I put in inverted commas, proper anime, that wasn't like Pokemon, um, Pokemon's proper anime, but you know, yeah. what I mean. um, one that I felt it, it was in Japanese when I watched it, all that kind of stuff. So it kind of felt more, more valid in my baby nerddom, <laughs> which is a ridiculous thing to say, but it still holds this kind of funny place in my, in my heart and my, my learning of nerd culture. Um, and you love
0: Trigun as well, so this I was do. a good one to pick. Similarly, Trigun was a very early anime for me. I don't know if it was, like, a super first one. I did watch it dubbed, because that was the only anime I could get a hold of when I was younger. Was what showed up on Adult Swim. Oh god, yeah. And they were always dubbed. And I think mm. it aired, like, after Cowboy Bebop or something? So I watched it because I had
1: uh very nerdy right so when i was about 15 16 or whatever and i was getting into anime and comics and stuff in general coming out of my doctor who phase and into my i'm gonna like this other nerdy shit phase um my local library had a librarian who was super into all of this and she used to go to japan and stuff a lot so she used to run a club once a month where she would show anime and talk about it and get manga books and for us to read and like educate people about Japan. Uh, and it was awesome. So that's why I watched the Japanese with subtitles because mm. she had brought the DVD from Japan and then ha- Regent hacked it somehow. <laughs> um, we won't ask. So that we could all watch it, which was really cool because we had like a big projector and stuff. But yeah, this is like the nerdy shit that I did as a teenager. That's why nobody was my friends. No. <laughs> uh- <laughs> um, but yeah, so that like, I never really saw any of it on TV because... A, we didn't have Sky or anything in my house, Um, and B, they only showed the Pokemon and the Digimons on on BBC or CITV or whatever it was, on Saturdays. And so those were the only ones I got to saw. Apart from Cardcaptor Sakura, which would have just been Cardcaptors in the UK, because that was also shown. Um, but I didn't even watch Sailor Moon till I was older because it just oh. wasn't... I didn't have Cartoon Network or anything. Kind of thing. Yeah, so. I
0: grew up on Sailor Moon. But we also had... Uh, I mean, the whole TV and how TV works is very different in the United States. And so
1: mm-hmm.
0: for... I grew up in the United States, for people who don't know or can tell by me talking. <laughs> um, so, it, you know, I think it was just a very different landscape. But yeah, we had Cartoon Network. And so we were able to watch a lot of that stuff. I grew up watching Sailor Moon. So um, anime has been around me for a really <laughs> long time and <laughs> I, uh, I do like love
1: in,
0: it <laughs> in the uk we were al- we
1: already had things like uh like the movements has always been really popular but the japanese anime of the movements was super popular in the uk in the 90s and uh a lot of the a lot of my friends who did have cartoon network loved sailor moon and loved all of uh that kind of thing so it was i think anime was becoming popular in the mm. uk but we had a, like you said we had a different setup for how people watch tv
0: yeah
1: so um you just would have like Saturday morning cartoons or, like, a lot of the American ones, so the Powerpuff Girls and that kind of stuff. I would say probably, like, one of the biggest, most watched ones that was I would would now include as anime, but it's difficult to say, hmm, was Avatar The Last Airbender. That was so popular, and that would have been when I was in my late teens. But also, you know, we had, like, the video games, so Final Fantasy and everything. Um, That would have been kind of, I guess the in to Japanese culture for me would have mm-hmm. been through video games rather than necessarily through Aunt May even those, even like Final Fantasy is getting reboots we're rebooting the video games guys Like, yeah, it's reboot central just, I've literally <laughs> finished playing the reboot of Resident <laughs> Evil 4, one of my favourite video games of all time and I will give them credit, they did the reboot, reboot remake, whatever it is, very well it is good um, but it does have some of my favourite things missing which is sad but this is not what we're talking about <laughs> So So Trigun.
0: Trigun was one of my favorites and still remains to be one of my favorites. And the reasoning why, A, it was goofy. But the other reason is, and I would normally say that this is a spoiler, but the reboot has made this not so much of a spoiler anymore. Um but I'm a big plant person, as uh Holly might be able to tell behind me. (laughs) Yeah. I can see Uh, them. And this is only a very small collection of what is throughout the whole house. Um, and the idea of, of a plant guy who's actually just a plant alien was amazing. <laughs> Such a pretty plant guy as well. <laughs> so I was always a big fan of, I was a big fan
1: of plant guy. <laughs> I love you, Vash the Stampede. Oh, so the reboot, I have watched it all now. Um, when we initially decided to do this episode, I hadn't watched it all. And so I think I was more angry about it at the time than I am now. Um, the reboot is essentially a prequel. Leading into a reboot of the original series. Which is going to be the second series. (laughs) Which, as much as I'm like, yes, that's cool, and it's nice to see how some of these characters met, particularly Wolfwood and Vash, because I love their relationship so much. Um it does kind of remove the surprise twist of the ending that is the original Trigun, where you're like, oh shit, he's a plant guy. Oh my God, it was aliens because he spent the whole of Trigun. I feel like we can't spoil an anime that came out in the 90s at this point. I know, I feel bad because it's
0: so good. But I, like my husband hasn't seen the original Trigun. Well, he thought that was this episode then. So. And we we bonded over anime when we first started thinking about dating kind of levels. We yeah. stayed up very late. <laughs> In one of the communal halls at our uni, just chatting about anime for hours. So uh, when I found out he hadn't seen Trigun, I was like, oh, we should watch it. But it's so hard to find the original Trigun right now. Like, it's been really difficult. And even before the reboot, it was really hard to find. And I think we managed to find it. And we watched like one episode. But, um, you know, with anime, you have to do like two or three to get into it. Um, and so he didn't really get as into it. So when we saw that there was a reboot, we were like, oh, this is cool. It might be a good way to like get you into it. And the very first episode basically shows you what was like in the last couple of episodes in the the original series yeah and the whole time i was like what are they doing what are they doing (laughs) because i was like to me what i thought was really cool was the twist of the reveal and how it actually is and i wanted him to experience that because he's really into good writing as well as um really good animation so the kind of old school animation he wasn't as big of a fan of so i was hoping he'd attach to the writing but then yeah so the whole thing and he wasn't a big fan of the new style animation in that one he's not a big fan of that type of of animation so it was like i hated the writing i didn't think the writing was very good we'll get into that but also then the animation itself wasn't very good and so we were all like we watched like i think the first two or three episodes and then we were like no i just can't i just can't (laughs) so
1: i love the original and i my partner watched the new one with me and then we and then watched the original Afterwards, and loves both, which is great, because yay. And Egg is also a plant person, so that was exciting. Yes. Um, and now they're just desperately been like, cosplay Vash, cosplay Vash. I'm like, yeah, I will, I will. I'll get round to her. Jesus Christ. I'm just pleased because they made him slightly less tall in the new one, so that I don't have to feel like I'm tiny Vash the Stampede. Because <laughs> he's habit. so tall. Uh, it's always been one of those things where I've always just been like, but I'd be so tiny. Anyway, um, I felt like they jumped the shark a bit in it because I was just like the whole point was that you got the amazing twist and I was the same I was like wait why are they showing this at the beginning that's so weird this is the twist ending and Egg was like what and I was like yeah this whole section that they've got in the first episode is what happens in like the last two or three episodes in the original and you go from weird steampunk cowboy land to hyper sci-fi in about the space of four episodes yeah and it's like wait what and your whole brain just kind of explodes and it's so good and I just feel like, and I think it's actually something, having watched quite a few reboots and remakes of anime recently, that they do a lot, and I don't know why, and a part of me wonders whether it's because, particularly shonen stuff, has become very, become very popular in the West, in inverted commas, in Europe and the UK and the US, and I'm wondering whether a lot of these anime reboots are pandering to that style of writing, which is what the new reboot of *TriGun* feels like mm. it feels very monster of the week it feels very we're just gonna throw stuff at you and big action sequences and all this sort of stuff which the original *TriGun* does have action sequences they're not like this in the same way very much not they're still cool i really like them but they're not they don't feel quite so shonen y if people shonen is a type of manga and anime yeah. in japan that's specifically designed for teenage boys and then you have shoujo, which is for teenage girls, which is what Sailor Moon and stuff are. And while obviously that's a generalization of the categories, everybody can enjoy them. You can see that thing of the stylization of your Dragon Ball Z's and your kind of... Uh, I'm now trying to think of another example that Monsters of the Week and have big epic fights over everything. But it's just Dragon Ball Z stuck in my head. Oh, <laughs> I mean, Naruto, Yu-Gi-Oh. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So like all of these kind of things, that's shonen, and oh, you know, My Hero Academia and things like that. And then, Trigun isn't should, as far as I'm concerned, Trigun shouldn't be shonen. Trigun is a beast. It's part of a sort of just a category of uh, like action adventure storytelling. Whereas shonen is very distinctly a thing, mm. you know, and it's something that's become very very distinct, I think, since the late noughties early 2010s is shonen as a category and i'm sure there's some anime and manga scholars out there yelling at me that i'm wrong but this is my experience of what it has felt like to see and during that period there was this also this very hyper sexualization of young women in shonen as well which as much as that's got less is still really present in yeah. things like like both of us have an issue with how meryl is portrayed in this yes considering how badass she is in the original and i don't mean badass in like oh my god she's so bad she's just fucking great like every element of her character even her flaws are so human in the original mm. and in this it's just like oh whiny little girl and you're like oh fuck's sake. You yeah know? i know you're trying to show her backstory and how she got to be that person but like you didn't need to take everything away from her
0: yeah not every strong woman has to start as a weak woman to be a strong woman some people can just be strong women just like how some dudes can just be strong dudes
1: yeah and especially she doesn't (laughs) need like a random guy to be there teaching her how to be the strong woman because that just it it kind of felt like a a disservice to her character in the original um, I'm going to say now I don't know how much of this was written by the original writer. I am I actually haven't seen any comment from them about it. So I don't want to say that they, that person wasn't involved or there wasn't choices made by them and all this sort of stuff and this wasn't always what they had planned. But it definitely feels like there is a knowledge that a type of audience who are into shonen, who are into superhero movies and all this sort of stuff in uh, a different culture are going to watch this and there is a certain amount of oh but we want them to watch it too and so we're going to do this. I don't think that's entirely true. I don't think it it feels like that but also, you know, there has there's got to be an audience for it in Japan as well. Yeah, I just think with the rise of things like Crunchyroll and stuff that there is definitely an awareness of people outside of Japan engaging with anime and manga in a new way.
0: Mm.
1: I don't know. I don't that I definitely don't want it to feel like well, they're just giving the west what they want because that's not it at all. Absolutely not. You know, Anime and manga are very distinctly a Japanese art form. They are their own thing. And they tell very different types of stories. And I think that's why it's so obvious, with, or at least it's, it feels so obvious with Trigun, that was a very distinct type of storytelling, that it switched to a different type of storytelling that fits more into that category of My Hero Academia and stuff like that. I don't know. It just really feels like that.
0: Yeah, it it definitely... I mean, it felt like... I was almost... Like, if they hadn't called it Trigun, I would have just assumed it was a completely different show that had a very similar red cloak on the main character. Yeah. (laughs) Like, that was... Which, by the way, both forms of the red cloak are badass. I will give the reboot that. (laughs) Yeah. I would say... I have to say the the
1: actual character designs for the reboot, particularly Knives, is incredible. I was just like, "Mm -mm -mm -mm." Knives, you crazy fucker. I love you. You're insane. You look amazing. Um and Vash looks great. I mean, Vash always looks great. It's kind of his gig, right, to look really cool. <laughs> um no, the designs are good. I mean, they didn't change much about the others, I have to say. Um I'm really hoping we get Millie. The fact that Millie isn't there, one of the major characters for the original series is a real a real issue. So
0: Yeah, that was we'll kind see. of my big thing. So uh, for people who haven't seen the original, it was that um, Meryl kind of went along with another woman and it was two women. Um, And she was a very not typical representation of women for the time. She was tall. Mm -hmm. Uh, She was kind of built, but she was also, instead of being the kind of strong muscular figure, she was very kind and nurturing, which isn't, again, what you would typically see for that figure of woman in pop culture particularly in anime and i really liked how in the original the women were varied as Mm -hmm. well as interesting and dynamic in a way that wasn't typical
1: Mm. the reboot definitely has a sausage fest thing going on
0: yeah and so the fact that they replaced her with essentially replaced her with a very quintessential you know, drunk, strong man to teach the young woman how to do things. It was one of those things where it was like, you're kind of missing some of the interesting aspects of it. That being said, I'm not the kind of person that's like, oh, you ruined my childhood type of thing. No. Like, that's not how I feel about stuff. I just did what I did in this case, which is like, oh, this sucks, and I stopped watching it. (laughs) And that's kind of the extent of it. Like, old Trigun will always be there. And uh, I think one of the benefits of living in the time that we live in is that it's really difficult for things to completely go away. Yeah. Uh, there's always going to be someone who recorded it off of something and has put it up online, and then you can go on a Wayback Machine and find that thing online. Like, there's always a way to get a hold of stuff. And so there's, even though it's kind of struggling, I'm struggling to find Trigun in a legal way. That doesn't mean that I can't find Trigun. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Exactly, yeah. And it's interesting to see how many reboots
1: and stuff there are that aren't even... So even if we just... We talked about Disney. We're going away from, you know, the anime and stuff. But you're getting reboot after reboot after reboot. With some, uh, I guess, good changes to story. Where they're removing problematic elements or whatever from the original Mm. versions. Like, uh, there's a Peter Pan, Peter and Wendy reboot coming out a tv show i think it is uh on disney plus where they have as far as the trailer they seem to have made some effort to make the native american stuff a hell of a lot less problematic i haven't seen anything more than just like a a minute trailer though so i'm going based off that i don't know but one would hope and in the this the year 2023 that people would try to make that less problematic um but at the same time why don't we just write other stories? You know, why do we need to take a story that was in and of itself, you know, it's a childhood story, I guess, but has very problematic and racist. It's an old story. It's an old story, very problematic and racist elements within it, as well as other elements that you're just like, hmm, that's not great. Why don't we move away from it? Why do we have to have another version of it? And I, I suppose this comes down to the same question of why things like Roald Dahl, why are we editing Roald Dahl rather than just being like, we could just let that die. And we could have new things. But I think the answer to that is probably capitalism. And so...
0: Yes. (laughs) Uh, There's also, I think, things like Peter Pan and Pinocchio, which I'll mention, because that was another recent reboot that I loved. But... Is that the... Yeah, like the Guillermo del, del, del Toro one, yeah, see, which I know is technically a it's it's a retelling, I guess. But we'll yeah, get th- into that.
1: There is a Disney reboot of Pinocchio, which is terrible.
0: Yeah. So, but so. What, but those things are derived from. So there's a, a the book Peter Pan, in case people <laughs> don't know, it's a it's a book. Um, yeah. and the same thing with Pinocchio, it's a story that is written that you can go to. And so, um, I I sometimes feel like anything, like any of those, are in essence a reboot, but in a different media is basically what it is yeah and i liked the fact that in pinocchio as an example the guillermo del toro one is creepy because the story of pinocchio is creepy yeah (laughs) and i think he even said like pinocchio uh was one of the first horror stories that he watched as a kid like the fact that he saw that as horror, even the Disney version, it was like, yeah, because that it's a scary, creepy story. Yeah. Um, so someone retelling it in a way that demonstrates these elements of it, I think is really cool. That's something that I I would hope they could do to Peter Pan, because the original story of Peter Pan is that Peter sucks. You're not supposed yeah. to like Peter. Like he's supposed to be terrible. He's supposed to be scary. He's supposed to be a figure that you dislike and distrust. So the kind of Disneyification of it to make it something that is light and nice kind of strips a lot of that away. And I would be really interested in a Peter Pan that plays into the original themes. Yeah, and I wonder whether that's the case with a lot of these
1: reboots, remakes, whatever, is that they're trying to make them more palatable to a more general audience. Mm. That you can share it with people who don't necessarily have the same they haven't read the book so they don't know it's creepy or they are from different age ranges so you want to be able to give it to as many different people as possible and I wonder whether that is some of it that it's like actually if we make this we don't just have one target demographic for it we have five you lose some of the I don't want to say integrity of the story because that's not what I mean but like you you lose some of what the story initially has in the fear in the horror in the complicated storytelling all that kind of stuff because you're trying to be like but we have to target this person this person this one this person and not just the people who initially would be into that yeah and I wonder whether that's part of it and actually rather than if we look go back to the anime thing rather than it being like oh we're targeting people who are outside of Japan it's more we're targeting as many people as possible and that includes these people who like this specific thing and that does well so let's try and put that type of storytelling into this so more people will watch it
0: potentially i think because especially trigun storytelling but uh that kind of genre in anime and i think even that time frame in anime Mm -hmm. had a lot of just like we're just going to accept that this is what's going on in the world and we're not going to explain anything and it can be a little confusing um i remember not really fully understanding what some of the mechanics were that they were talking about in the world but i You just kind of let it go. And... I can understand how some people might really be turned off by that. Yeah. And so in the reboot, they're, like, overly explaining everything. But I think when you overly explain the mechanics of a world, you kind of need to have a figure that's new to that world to explain it to without it so it doesn't seem like. But in this one, it's like everyone's there and knows it. But he's talking to, of course, the woman to say, let me explain to you how our world works. And it's like, fuck off, dude. (laughs) Sorry, <laughs> no, It's really bad.
1: But like, it's interesting because you still have anime like Fullmetal Alchemist, which I don't think ever really explains mm. how anything fucking works. And even Fullmetal Al- Full Alchemist Brotherhood, which is actually, it's not a reboot or a remake. It's essentially the original anime was made before the manga was finished. So they gave it a different ending. And so Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood is actually just telling the story of the manga with the correct ending. Yeah. So like all the other stuff at the beginning, like the first half of it that matches up pretty much exactly to the original anime and the manga because they're telling the same bit and then it changes for the second half because you then have the rest of the story. And I actually really like the fact that in Brotherhood they still don't really explain things. Yeah. (laughs) They're like, which just is. Some of this just stuff is just is and you know would give some explanation about how it works but not loads and i quite enjoy that that it's never fully over explained because i don't want it to be like i feel like a lot of people kind of go oh but we understand how our world works and i just have to sit there and be like no you Do don't we? no we don't <laughs> like some scientists might understand more than some others of us but most people just existing in the world kind of just go yep
0: yeah, physics cool so awesome. as as an anthropologist, my job is to harass people with questions until they get annoyed with me. Um, <laughs> and it's typically on how things work. Like, oh, you're getting dressed in a different outfit when you go to work than when you stay at home. Why is that? The number of times that you kind of push on a question and people respond with, oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So yeah people don't don't really know and but also i can kind of understand though how some people get turned off by not knowing and they yeah. get kind of caught up in but i don't understand and so i i get it and so i get trying to cater to that but then it it ends up just having a very different feel to it mhm like i'm somebody who
1: shockingly i've never talked about this before on the podcast i love the cthulhu eldritch mythos and a large part of that is because you have no fucking idea of what it is. Understand The whole point is that you should not understand it. You do not want to understand it. <laughs> and I love that because it basically it gives that thing of humans really, really, really want to learn how it works. They want to know. They want to know. And they're so curious. And the curiosity often just ruins it. Uh, and in the case of Cthulhu missiles, to drive you mad and want to kill everybody. Or yourself. Or any other horrible thing that might happen in those books sometimes you kind of go maybe we've over explained this to a point where that ruins the story Mm. like don't you don't need to know everything because actually not knowing sometimes increases the enjoyment and increases the the fear factor or the excitement factor or just the general kind of thing of if we info dump on you about how this all works you're suddenly going to lose half of what is mysterious or interesting about the storyline And that is one of the things that I felt with, particularly the Trigun reboot, but also I kind of, I felt with other reboots as a Digimon one that does it as well. And I'm just like, no, I'll tell you the reboot that did work is the Sailor Moon reboot. Actually, that was quite good because they just cut out a lot of waffle. They're like, oh, there's, we'll keep some of the filler, but quite a lot of the filler has (laughs) gone. So we'll just have the main storylines, which I enjoyed. So, you know, it it doesn't mean you lose a bit of the silliness, but it was quite nice to have that. I've seen that one uh what is it called like crystal or something or is that card captors i don't know magical girl animes have similar titles <laughs> but the other thing is we're seeing a lot of people doing continuations rather than necessarily reboots and i'm okay with that i don't mind a continuation because it's just like oh look there's more of it that's exciting and if i don't like more of it that doesn't change the thing that came before it's i mean nor the reboots yeah it's but... hard
0: to say i think that's i because i that happens a lot with reboots like um you know whenever they make some new version of a thing that has women in it or gay people in it then everyone (laughs) goes oh you've ruined my childhood you know and it's that kind of thing and it's like the old thing still exists and you still had those it's like we were talking about with the tattoos it's like that doesn't go away like you still have these memories and you still have these attachments to that piece of media as it existed then just because there's now a new piece of media that other people and I'm sure like because I've seen people um, I've been on Twitch a lot lately and I saw some people in chat talking about how much they enjoyed the Trigun reboot and I wasn't gonna go in there and be like, "You guys are wrong," because mm-hmm. that's yeah. a that's that's just a terrible thing to do. Um, but also, like, they're allowed to like it, and I'm yeah. glad that there are more people who might now go back and watch the old one because they didn't know about it until the reboot came out, and they'll see the differences and they can choose for themselves which one that they liked and yeah. make their own memories and attachments to things the way that they want to.
1: Exactly, and I I have to say I'm really enjoying seeing a lot of people coming to these characters that I have loved for a very very long time like I talk about Bash Bash is one of my dream cosplay characters and I am sad that I'm short so now I'm like yay but like he has been one of those characters that's lived in my head rent free for a very long time and probably has informed quite a lot of how I I write with that sort of silly goofy everything's fine until it's definitely not but I'm still going to manage to quip at you through the whole situation. I do think that there is I'm really glad that people are coming to see these characters and coming to kind of find these stories, even if it's not through the same way that I did. And even if I have my own issues with, ish- with parts of the storytelling or character choices and character development, I'm like, eh, I think this was better in the original version, but that's my opinion, you know? So that's fine. And like I said, they're doing a second series, which will apparently be the story of the original anime. So we'll see whether what they do with Millie and Merrill and, whether that actually kind of... I don't want to say fixes, because that's not what I mean. But, you know, like, it kind of brings them back to be the characters that they were, and that'll be fun. But I also kind of really want to start seeing... I would love to see places like some of these companies kind of bring out more unusual storytelling things. And maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm missing those things at the moment because they're just not in my sphere of influence, which could very definitely be the case, that the popular stuff that we're seeing just isn't those unusual ones um i have to say i really enjoy mob psycho uh was it 100 1000 yeah that i really enjoyed it it's so damn bizarre <laughs> so <laughs> strange um and i have just started watching uh tales of a house stories of a house husband uh the one about oh, yeah. retired Yukaza. that's very funny and i'm enjoying that very much so there's definitely some brilliantly odd interesting pieces of storytelling out there um and I'd like to see more of it. I'd like to see more of it become popular. I'd like to see more of it become
0: mainstream. <laughs> this will be a little bit of an insight into the type of anime that my husband likes. But we've been watching uh, Kaguya Love is War. What is um, that? It's, <laughs> it's like a high school romance one. Okay. But the idea is that it's like little... Each episode is like three or four different little like vignettes. And the whole thing is that... Uh, the, the two main characters definitely are in love with each other, but they are in a war to see who confesses first because that person loses. Oh my God, I want to watch that. And each, there's like a little vignette and at the end it'll be like, oh, who won? Like, what's the result of today's battle? <laughs> you know, and they have like the um, narrator is like really over the top. Uh, and the animation is sometimes very over the top in the way that like they you know, move and respond to things. That's
1: so excellent.
0: But yeah. I want to watch that. Sounds great. (laughs) It's really good. But we watch, um, like, my my husband watched a lot of it. um, Like, I think it's on, like, season three or something. And um, so we're now going back and watching season one with me. But he watches a lot of those, like, um, Slice of Life and... Uh, kind of chiller less shounen-y yeah <laughs> kind of animes but i'm normally a big shonen person like i i love that like i mean give me a fairy tale any day of the week like <laughs> like i love the over the top i love the i can beat you physically in a fight purely through the power and magic of friendship like i i i you know it's stupid and I yeah. like the fact that it's a bit silly and stupid and that's and campy and I I enjoy that. So I feel like I'm going to tell you quite a because <laughs> my favorite anime uh, are
1: Haruhi Suzumiya, which I think says a huge amount about me, and Magic Modica, which I also think says a huge amount about me <laughs> as a person. I went, mm, I like shoujo, but make it really fucking strange. Um, I, you that's, know, that's what I want out of anime.
0: We've had this conversation before, but you listed a couple of your favorite anime, and I went, you should just hang out with my husband. <laughs> <laughs> like, because his, his favorite anime is also Mushishi. <gasps>
1: My baby boy. I know.
0: Yes.
1: <laughs> this is it. I think that maybe, maybe it's just been my perception of anime for the last few years. Because I think I definitely in sort of around 2015, 2016, I got really turned off anime. Because every time I tried to watch something new, it would just be cheesecake and fan service. And boobs moving without gravity and, and <laughs> shit like this, you know. And I just sit there like every time I'd be recommended something or it'd be like, Oh, that looks good or whatever. It didn't even matter what the storyline was. It would just be there. And I was just like, I don't, I'm not really super comfortable with this. And it was kind of like, eh. And so I stopped watching, which means I'm very out the loop now coming back into things mm. now that I, you know, and there doesn't seem to be anywhere near as much as that. Like it does seem to have been a trend for a couple of years and then, and then gone away, which is good. <laughs> um, Cause as much as I think that sort of stuff has always been present in a lot of, pop culture. It's not just anime. (laughs) It's a lot of pop culture. Um, There was definitely like a real big spike in it in that sort of mid-2010s period (laughs) for some reason. Uh, I wonder whether it was like a a backlash against people wanting things to change. I I don't know. I don't don't know. I
0: don't know. Yeah, I think it's... I think one of the problems with anime is that it's hard to get into... It's kind of one of those it's hard to get into and it's hard to stay on top of because yeah. you kind of mostly hear about the the big ones and if you're not a big fan of those ones then it's hard to find out like the only reason why we knew about that inspector show is that me and Tom used to listen to an anime podcast um and then we got tired of it so we stopped listening to it and so we kind of have to just scroll around on Crunchyroll and hope we see something that is decent like, yeah. you know Um, but it's hard because we both don't really, I mean, it's like, I'll I'll watch a shonen, and shonens tend to have a lot of the sexualization stuff going on. It just is. Mm
1: -hmm. Um,
0: but like, that's not what he's into. So if we're going to watch a show together, it can be sometimes really difficult to find a thing. So we've been watching a lot of those kind of slice of life stuff. And I think the other thing is, is when you find out a lot about a bunch of stuff through cons. And, um, I find out a lot about a lot of pop culture recently from hanging around with cosplayers. And so I'll see what someone's cosplaying and I'll go, oh, let me look into that. And then maybe I'll watch that show. Yeah. But like, you're not going to cosplay just a random Japanese schoolgirl. Like it would yeah. just look like you're wearing clothes, um, which I'm sure people do that, you know, but like the Sailor Moon is that to an extent where you can tell that it's Sailor Moon. And yeah. so that's typically where you would gravitate towards is I think people tend to cosplay the more shounen Type there's of a lot anime. more going on yeah
1: absolutely like and i think particularly if you're kind of trying to get in i can see this being very similar with if you're coming from the other side and trying to get into say the expansive universe that is star wars mm. or star trek or any of this stuff like there's nowhere near because obviously manga and anime are a genre of their, their genres of they're not genres they're mediums what am i talking about they're mediums in and of themselves with genres in them right whereas like a lot of if you were like, okay, it'd be the same as going, I really want to get into sci-fi. Where do I start with all sci-fi? Yeah. What would you do, you know? So you don't, and then you're given Star Wars, which is an extensive, huge thing in and of itself. And then you're like, okay, so all sci-fi is like this. And then you're given Star Trek and it's completely different. Like, that's the thing with anime and manga. It's like, cool. I like the, the medium. It's very cool, very pretty. I like the art. I like the way it's created. I like the reading style, all that kind of thing. And then you're like oh, but this other one that I've picked up is completely different in, you know, its genre to the last one I read. And I think, like, unless you have, like, obviously Crunchyroll is really helpful. And thank goodness we have it now. We're not just having to illegally steal anime off the (laughs) internet. But unless you have, like, a directory or recommendations or, like you said, go to cons and see people cosplaying as things. And, like, this is something I really want to see because it looks pretty you're going to struggle finding anything. And I do think that I would very much hold my hands up to being the person who is in that place for a long time and I have only just started finding ones. So that I'm like, oh, okay, this matches the weirdness filter that I like. It doesn't have any of that stuff that I'm not interested in. Okay, we're back in the game. But it's taken a long time to get there because mm. what I've seen and what has been popular and what has been online um, and what people I know have been talking about has just been stuff that I'm not interested in. And so you then kind of... I guess for ease you kind of just write off the whole thing as like which isn't fair nor should you do that but you just kind of go okay cool but it's easier for me i understand the sci-fi so i'll just go and <laughs> look at all the sci-fi you know or you're more likely to be able to go and look through stuff in a, a warstones, though uh, i would say probably pretty much all bookshops now have a pretty decent graphic novel and manga section which is good yeah and i would say a lot of it again is that more stuff's getting translated mm. that a lot more stuff a lot more different stuff because there is a, you know, there is an interest in a wider audience um, and an, uh, an acknowledgement that there is a wider audience for certain things, that we're starting to see more and more translations coming through companies who are uh, collaborating across different countries, which is great. So maybe that's it. Maybe we've just had to come through a little bit of a, oh my goodness, what was going on? And then suddenly it's like, oh cool, there's loads of stuff. This is great. Because there definitely was a time where I was like, I only see like the shonens on the shelf. Yeah, you know, that was all I could get hold of unless I went to a specialist manga bookshop like and they're few and far between. I feel like I'm putting a lot of my own bias onto this. and I don't mean to. I'm just kind of explaining my, my experience of like this and how I'm excited that I get to enjoy manga and anime again because I found the ones that I like, which is good. Yeah, so
0: it's, it, it's definitely a rough thing to get into. And I think that's where reboots can sometimes be nice to bring us back slightly on topic. <laughs> Which yes. is that it does it does allow people to find things that they might have not originally been able to find, because if you only know Shonen, because that's the only things that are on the shelf, or the only things that you are being shovel-fed by Crunchyroll, then you're going to be shovel-fed that Trigun, and then you're going to find out it's a reboot, and then you're going to watch that old Trigun, and suddenly that opens up a different world of a different type of anime, and... Hopefully,
1: anyway. <laughs> yeah, one would hope. I, yeah, I would be interested to see whether the same happens with reboots of things like Disney stuff. Whether mm. somebody being like, oh, you know, Pinocchio is a perfect example. Though There's the original Disney Pinocchio. There's then a reboot Disney Pinocchio, which is bad. Just, just bad. And then people might have gone, oh, but what's this other version? The Del Toro version that has done really well and won Oscars and stuff. Let me watch that. And then they're actually going to have an interest in, like, Pinocchio as a story, because Del Toro's retelling of it is so unusual, but also probably one of the closest to the original. So I would be interested to see if that is something that people actually do. They suddenly find they like a story better because they found a version of it that's telling that story in a way they can connect to. Yeah. I really liked that version of Del Toro's Pinocchio. I like that they had the rabbits. So few versions have the rabbits.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The Death really Rabbits. It. it was yeah. supposed to be um a trilogy, like part of a thematic trilogy with yeah. Pan's Labyrinth and the Devil's Backbone.
1: That makes sense. You um, mean the is fascism is bad trilogy? Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. We should do i I I'm a big I've been slowly becoming more of a Del Toro fan throughout my time. years. Um And so maybe we should do an episode on that at some point.
1: Yeah. Some of it I can't... I wasn't able to watch Cabinets of Curiosity. That was too heavy on the horror. The graphic horror for me. Yeah, because I think
0: only the first one was actually Del Toro. The other ones were people that he had just selected to Mm -hmm. present.
1: So that one I found a little bit... I couldn't watch that. But I I love Pan's Labyrinth. It's one of my favourite films of all time. It's great. And um, I love the Hellboy films. They're also brilliant. So, you know... (laughs) They're ridiculous. I like. I also like the definitely not a Hellboy film. That is uh, Shape of Water, <laughs> the Abe Sapien love story film. <laughs> Do you know what else I would be really interested to see? Is the thing of reboots that aren't really reboots, where people are kind of bringing stuff back, like um, I went to see the Dungeons and Dragons movie. And obviously there was kind of a Dungeons and Dragons thing in like the 80s, 70s and 80s and TV shows and all that kind of stuff. And I don't think the Dungeons, it's not a reboot. It's just there is a Dungeons and Dragons movie now, but it's obviously harking back to a nostalgia and on a modern popularity of the Dungeons and Dragons thing, which I think is quite interesting because that movie does a lot of callbacks to stuff that you'd only really know if you were in any way interested in the original Dungeons & Dragons TV show or, like, that very early kind of uh, movies and stuff from, like, the 80s. So that kind of playing on people's nostalgia for things. Yeah. I which it's definitely a thing, isn't
0: it? You, well, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what the the reboots, I think, are all about, isn't it? It's, hmm. it's getting someone to be like, oh, you watched Trigun when you were... 15 and getting into anime, why don't you watch it again? In this new version, come back to Crunchyroll and watch Trigun. Yeah. Um and that's kind of what it is because I know that I was definitely excited about it because I love Trigun and I have that nostalgia for Trigun and I was really connected to Trigun. Um but then I think there is that weird level of with nostalgia that I think Nintendo really struggles with, but somehow sometimes manages to get right, which I don't know. Yeah. About. Which is that it's hard to replicate something that isn't based on what it is, if that makes sense. So like, for example, Ocarina of Time looks like dog shit now. Yeah. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. if somebody tried to replicate Ocarina of Time based off of what it actually is presented to you, it would feel and look really different than what I remember it being like to play for the first time. Yeah. And that's going to, that's a really difficult thing to capture because also that's going to be slightly different for everybody who experienced it the first time. So if you're trying to reboot something like Trigun and capitalize on that nostalgia of Trigun, you kind of have to do something like they did by making it completely different. Because yeah. otherwise, it's going to be that weird, uncanny valley of it's being too close to the original while not being what I remember from the original, even though it's basically the original.
1: Yeah. And when you say that, though, I like I opened this by saying I've just finished playing Resident Evil 4. And while I say there were some things that I missed from the original, and... I know why they weren't there and they're mostly not there because of budgetary reasons, (laughs) which is like, oh, that sucks. They actually did it in such a way that I felt that it added to the original game because it gave you more lore, it gave you more stuff, but it didn't change the story. Almost every single element is, you can at least be like, oh, we're moving into the, you know, it feels the same, but with updated character development, updated story elements, uh, updated graphics, all that kind of stuff. But it also doesn't feel like they completely went, but we're just going to do it. We're not, we're just going to trans, you know, transpose the same things together. It feels like a different thing. Yeah. While also being very loyal and excite. I don't know. It just felt like, you know.
0: Well, it was because it's, it's something that's very difficult to do, but people have done it. And like I said, I think Nintendo We won't talk about Resident Evil 3. (laughs) <laughs> I think that one was less good. Nintendo has at times hit on this mm. properly and at times kind of failed at it. And I think that's the mm. case for, for a lot of different companies. You know, Disney's definitely done that too, where
1: yeah.
0: there have been reboots that they have done that have been really good um, and have been very successful and, and have achieved the things that yeah. are hitting these. And then there are ones that are the Lion King. So it's... <laughs> So you yep. know, it's not always successful um even within the same the same company, yeah. but it's because it's it's just a difficult thing to to capture because you're trying to replicate a feeling in the audience, which is not something that is as easily transcribable as the media itself.
1: Yeah. And it's very hard with nostalgia, I think, to capitalize you know, people will be like, oh my God, is that thing. But you also have the thing of it It will never feel like the first time you play something or the first time you watch something. You know, you can't ever have that feeling again. You can have that, you can have a different feeling, the feeling of like, oh, I remember this. But it's hard to ever replicate that feeling of like, oh, this is so exciting and something different is going to happen around that corner. That's only going to happen with new things. Yeah, I kind of feel like as much as I understand the wanting to capitalise on the nostalgia element, and having a million other Mario games, surely sometimes there needs to be space for, for newer franchises to start or new franchises in general to kind of come out. Like, I would say the things that I've been most excited about recently have been things that I'm like, this is new and exciting. I haven't seen this before. This is cool. You know, rather than necessarily... And I say that within older franchises as well. Like, I really like that... Ollie's going to talk about Star Wars again now. This is your warning. I like that Star Wars as a show, well, the shows as a franchise, even, that, again, not all of them hit the mark. Like, the last series of The Mandalorian was um, interesting. But there are things within that so I know the universe and then every so often they go, but we're going to give you a new whole bit of this universe that you've never met before and here's some new stuff and you get very it's like, that's so exciting because it's adding to the old thing but it's got that feeling of the new. It's like, oh so there's both things at once? Wow. And I think probably you can only do that within like major franchises.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, basically you're saying once again that you like fan fiction.
1: (laughs) but no yes yes um maybe i have just out with myself no it's fine uh, damn it don't 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 I like when me people take
0: self. an existing canonical story and just put their own spin on it in their own way
1: but also i could just like you know have have new things too i guess i could have new things it'll be fine yeah new things <laughs> It won't be scary or anything. <laughs> My anxiety won't won't get annoyed about that.
0: One day I should have on um, this podcast a friend of mine named Chris Desey. He's an academic. Um, he's uh, one of the sweet old men of the academic world. And he specialises in nostalgia. Oh,
1: that's an exciting thing um, to specialise in.
0: Yeah, and film. And I'm not a film person, so it's always fun to he gets very annoyed with me that I'm not a film person whenever we chat. <laughs>
1: it's okay. But, I'm a film person. It's fine. He can talk to me.
0: Yeah. But maybe it would be fun to have on somebody that, um, can talk nostalgia much more eloquently <laughs> <laughs> than me being like, well, like I maybe like canonical fan Especially fiction. Especially because guys. I was sitting there and I was like, oh yeah, I could bring up all this stuff about nostalgia that like Chris DC does. And I'm like, uh... <laughs> sorry, <Aww>. sorry, Chris, <laughs> sorry, Chris that I don't remember. <laughs> But he, I mean, he approaches everything from a religion perspective, because this is all of my friends are religious studies people. <laughs> Talks a lot about like radio shows and um, like old media and how people feel about it and how it has this kind of reverence to it. Mm. Um, which, you know, is the religion connection.
1: But I think it comes back to that thing with. The validity that we've talked about on multiple occasions that people treat things like Shakespeare with like reverence and validity and all this sort of stuff and you're like ah but it's just kind of the same as all this other stuff because it's old right because it's lasted and because people have a uh, a nostalgia for it and so it's treated with more respect and I also think that's why people do get angry about reboots or they do get kind of that knee-jerk emotional reaction about like about like things where they're like but it's not the same as when i was a kid and it's because they want you to have the they want the thing that they liked as a kid to be treated with that kind of how they treat it you know they want to and it's been changed and it's different and therefore it's not as good and i think it probably all comes back to the same that same thing of like what is valid media what is oh you know what is the thing that it's okay and you know even as an adult you're like i like this and that's fine because it was i liked it when i was a kid or whatever i don't know I'm going in circles with this, but there definitely there definitely does seem to be that feeling of, yeah, with all of this, that it's about nostalgia and it's about how do we kind of convince people to watch the thing again and how do we make it that people don't get cross about it. But of course they will. They're no, always they going to get cross about yeah. it. <laughs> oh,
0: I mean, it's it's why um, people really didn't like a lot of what I have to say about popular culture as a myth academic, because basically my whole thing for people who don't know is that popular culture is our contemporary mythology because it's just the stories that we're telling now. And we told stories before and we're telling stories now. And that's just the stories we tell. And you are correct in this. No, but <laughs> and, that's not I mean, how academia works. it's one of one of the many, many, many reasons why I left was I. Um, always, whenever I would talk to people like you or my other friends or people outside of academia, and I would kind of mention this and people would go, yes! And then I would talk to an academic and they'd go, really? Um... (laughs) You know, it it's almost kind of like
1: comic books are American mythology and they created gods and superheroes for themselves to be there. Yeah, like that's so fucking obvious. But like, it,
0: but it is that thing of what what made something like the Norse gods something that we can call mythology is that they're old. Yeah. And we can look at them as something that has lasted a long time. But I think sometimes understanding how how stories work can sometimes paint this like the fact that *Trigun* is still in the public consciousness how many years since it initially it aired 20 years like 20 i don't even want to think it about how long it's been well because we i don't know if we
1: watched it when it initially aired well i, I mean and obviously aired, the initial yeah. airing
0: in japan is probably gonna be different yeah, than exactly than for us but yeah i mean i initially watched it i don't even know how because i have bad memory but like definitely quite young um, and the fact that people are still even before the reboot were still thinking about it I think shows how powerful that story is yeah. because there's also stories that have popped up and people have forgotten about it a year later <laughs> yeah. and it's because that doesn't have the lasting power no. um, but that even 10 or 15 years can show us a certain amount of lasting power in stories
1: I think particularly with things like Trigun as well particularly because it's unlike a lot of anime and manga it was a one-off story mm. it's one season and that's it uh, there are some like additional bits and pieces that go around it there are there are other versions of it and stuff but a lot of the thing with anime and manga is that they're kind of more like soap operas and not entirely but they they're, they're very ongoing and they're often released chapter by chapter and all this kind of stuff because they're serialized in magazines or they're things that are put on Uh, you know, literally just as tiny little episodes on TV. I mean, a lot of people might have noticed that a lot of manga and anime even, often they only run to 20 minutes without ads. They're quite short. Um, And it's because like you, they are a a heavily serialized medium. And I wonder whether things like Trigun, because it came out in a period where that wasn't necessarily completely, well, no, it was, There was serialization. That was very much always part of manga and anime. But it was clearly trying to tell a story in one way, and they had to, and they were going to tell it all in this sm- small period of time. And I wonder whether that's why the story lasted—is because it wasn't just an ongoing Dragon Ball Z forever, yeah, Ball, whatever they're called now. You know, it didn't just go on and on and on with every, you know, and Naruto, which has what four hundred, five hundred episodes, yeah. You know, and Trigun is twenty-eight, I think, mm. twenty-eight episodes, and it's definitely not more than that that's really unusual for this kind of, for something within manga and anime, or at least it is to those of us who aren't living in Japan, right? To see that the ones we get are the ones like Naruto or Sailor Moon or yeah. whatever, where they they have a long lot of things. And I wonder whether that is why Trigun particularly, Probably, the yeah. story had to be so condensed and it had to be really told in a very like obvious way and done in this and all that kind of thing that it, it became a piece of writing that was so well crafted that it really lasted. And I think maybe that is partially why the reboot might struggle is because it's lost some of that very tight, very well thought out writing yeah. because they're spreading it out over more than one series. Yeah,
0: you talk about that also made me think of Cowboy Bebop. Another yeah. very powerful nostalgia driver in Cowboy anime. Bebop
1: has that and um uh Samurai Shampoo has that, mm. and you know, there's a lot of anime that is that same period as *Trigun*. That kind of I would say late '90s period, early 2000s. That was much tighter. It wasn't doing the the long running thing. Those are the ones were existing exist at the same time. Obviously, *Naruto* has been popular forever, but then you also have things like *Death Note*, which I would say kind of come in the middle ground of that which again is just an incredible piece of writing. I know it's a bit of a cliche, but Death Note actually is very good. Like it's genuinely brilliant. It's a cliche and for a reason. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's just good, guys. You read it if you have. I would say read it rather than watch the anime. I think the manga gets the point across better. <laughs> don't know why. <laughs> um, it just it just maybe that's personal preference. I really like the I really like the manga. In fact, I actually I had the original mangas manga. I don't know what I don't know. Um when I was a teenager and when I went to university and I was an idiot and needed money I sold them and now I regret that choice greatly and so I'm now recollecting them like get them back get them back. these ones I should have kept
0: I propose that the plural of manga would be mangoose mangoes? I can get behind that
1: mangoese yeah <laughs> I'm sure that is I'm sure I think manga just is the plural of manga yeah, I, think so. I don't know <laughs> but, uh, I like mangoese I would keep that and I, yeah, I maybe, maybe I'm just old. Maybe I'm just we're just old, bitter for...
0: people complaining about all these newfangled anime that's coming out. <laughs> How dare the shonen not be what I want? <laughs> is this an insight of what it's going to be like when we're like in our sixties, complaining about these newfangled things, but it's all going to be like anime and <laughs> back <laughs> in my day, doesn't... anime used to be. <laughs> that's what this
1: episode is being, guys. I'm so sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm like, trying. We're, we're... <laughs>
1: Here being like we're so academic, we talk about these subjects. We're so deep, and then this episode's just been like reboots of shit.
0: Like I, I see their purpose, and I think they're fine. I think that one isn't for me. <laughs> yeah. I've been watching season two of Ancient magus's Bride, and I'm very excited.
1: I haven't watched series one. Is
0: oh, you should. It's my. I think. I mean, it's getting up there to be my favorite anime, I think. It's, mm-hmm, getting, it's getting there. It's not there yet. It's not there yet, but it's up there, I think. Mm. And I, I realized a little bit too late in, in what I should have realized it, that a lot of what I like about it, not a lot of it, a portion of what I like about it, is the fact that there's not a lot of hypersexualization for no reason. Yeah. There is a character that is hypersexualized, but that is a reason. <laughs> there, there is a reason for it. They are a succubus. They are going to be hypersexualized. Um, but like the main character is a woman, and she dresses very modestly and isn't shown off in certain ways, which I appreciate.
1: I think that was one of the things that I've always struggled with. Is that I'm there, like these people, the, these characters, whatever you said, they're not real. <laughs> Drawings, and so somebody made this choice, yeah, to do that. So you didn't have to do that, did you? Like, you could still have a character fall over and not have an upskirt shot. Like, (laughs) it'd be very easy to do that. You know, it's just drawing some different pen lines. Um, oh well. I feel like that's the same. I feel the same about American comic books, though. In that regard. Oh yeah. "Mm, It's just a
0: culture, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it is. Like
1: I feel, like I said, I think I said this before. All pop culture is very, very. (laughs) yeah you know they have done the thing and they are very guilty of it i think we should uh we should come to an end before we just moan about fan service in in pop culture yeah. which is not what we're <laughs> meant to be doing <laughs> <laughs> this is really fun it's actually the last episode we're recording at least like this yeah we're gonna be in the same place next time. What the hell? What? What not not over not over Not the in internet? person. Oh my god. We'll only need one microphone.
0: Oh. God forbid.
1: And we'll only need one recording track.
0: What? I'm gonna have so we... to be a lot more careful about not talking over you because I can normally edit that out.
1: <laughs> Maybe we'll record on separate tracks. <laughs> No, it won't work. It will be really difficult to do.
0: No, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. I'll try not to be like my mother.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But I'm excited. I'm really excited to do that. And I'm also excited because we're actually going to talk about cosplay. We're going to do it. We're going to deep dive into a topic of cosplay because we're not going to do all of... That would be insane. We'd be here for hours. Um, We're just going to unpack all of cosplay in one hour slot. You'll just have
0: to read both of our books in order to exactly get the full story
1: oh my god no, that's not even enough Uh oh, you made me hit my desk and you're gonna have to edit that out i'm so sorry <laughs> i got so frustrated i hit the desk
0: well i'm i mean i'm looking forward to it
1: it's gonna be super fun i'm very excited be fun. yeah
0: And this has been fun. This whole series has been fun.
1: I've really enjoyed it. I really hope that people listening to it have found it interesting and insightful and not just, what the fuck are you guys doing?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe a little bit of that. I like a little (laughs) bit
1: Yeah, no, some of that's fine. Um, And I hope that, you know, I would really, the one thing I would really like is, before we go into recording series two, is that anybody listening to this who's been enjoying it could send us a message with a topic that you would like us to cover. Yes. That would be really cool because there's so many things out there that we don't know about, or we'd like to research about, or that we would love to hear your opinions on. So yeah, it would be awesome. So send us thank pictures you very for... of
0: your lovely objects.
1: Exactly. Get in touch with us. All our social media is all linked in all of the bios and the show notes and all that kind of thing. And you've got to remember to give us a like and a subscribe and all that stuff they say on the YouTubes and send us to your friends. If you think they'd like our waffling, because it's good waffle, you know.
0: (laughs) It's a great waffle. It's like a waffle with like a quality maple syrup on it.
1: Oh, and like really crispy bacon. Mm. Mm, Good shit. Anyway, (laughs) I've been Holly Swinyard, and next time I will be in person Holly Swinyard, which will be great.
0: (laughs) I've been Viviana Seamost. I will be only half in person. I'm always half in spirit. (laughs) (laughs) And you've been listening to I'm a fan of that.
1: Uh, a podcast about fan culture. Bye! Bye! <laughs> oh my god. Thanks for listening. Remember to like, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast and do give it a share. Tell your friends, family, and fellow fans and get the word out. You can follow us on social media, links in the show notes, as are some links to further reading. Who doesn't like a reading list? We are nerds after all. Music for this episode was Nowhere Land by Kevin MacLeod, licensed under Creative Commons Attribute 3.0. This episode was produced by Vivian Asimov and Holly Swinyard.